You're listening to Education Experts with EDX Education. Education is evolving. Join Heather Welch from EDX Education chatting with teachers, psychologists, parents, authors, creatives, and other talented experts to keep up with the trends and what's happening from around the globe. This podcast series from EDX Education discusses home learning, school readiness, being creatives, changing in education, discussing what's next, hands-on learning, or as we like to say, learning through play. Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education, and today I'll be in conversation with Claire Willits. Claire is a mum and also the founder of Not Only Pink and Blue, making the world more colourful for boys and girls and gender neutral. Today we're chatting to Claire about trends in children's toys and books, clothing, and how it benefits a child's development. Also her inspiration for starting the company. Welcome, Claire. It's wonderful you could join us today. Can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them about your passion for making the world more colourful and gender neutral for everyone? Thanks, Heather. Um, Hi, everyone. Yes, so it's one of those things, isn't it, that you kind of know is there and then you, but you're not until you're in the world that you suddenly realise just how stark this kind of pink-blue world is. And and I guess I walked into that world when I started to look for presents for my friends who are having children. And of course, I knew it was there, as we all do. Um, you know, we experience it every day. But actually, when I got into the baby clothes area, I suddenly went, oh, I don't want to buy pink or blue. And I don't want to buy grey, yellow or bunnies either. And that's where it started. Where's the colourful, fun clothes for kids and certainly babies at that point? So that's kind of where it started. And then I started to have my own children and I I did more research because I thought am I worrying about a colour divide that's just irrelevant or is there actually something here that we need to worry about and when I started to do that research that's when I started to realise mm, this is bigger than just pink and blue and I think one of the key things here is to be clear we love pink and blue they're brilliant colours But the problem is that that divide becomes a shortcut. That pink versus blue becomes a shortcut for boys and girls. And actually, those colours used to be the other way around in the 1800s. So so the reality is it's not about the colours. It's about what we imbue in them and the language that we use. And so therefore, I was like, we can change it and we need to change it. Absolutely. You're right about that, though. I think it was, isn't it even the early 1900s that pink was still a colour that little boys were dressed in quite a lot? That's exactly it. So... Yeah, uh, what happened was in, yeah, it was, it was in, yeah, all the way up to probably around the early 1900s, as you said, pink was a colour for boys because now the language is the same, right? Because it was strong and vibrant. And blue was the colour for girls because it was passive, right? And so what we see there is the reason the colours aren't the problem is because the colours have moved around. It's the language we use that hasn't actually changed. And so it's what we give, it's the meaning we give to those colours. Isn't that interesting? Because when you look at boys, if you look at the classification of boys' toys, they're usually things like, it's like, you know, wrestlers, soldiers, guns. You know, if you look at the masculine type thing and they're sort of the strong, whereas it wouldn't have gone to pink, it would be under the blue section. It would be totally different these days how... Yeah, would be. But listen, before we start, I want to know what makes you wake up and smile each day, Claire? (laughs) Oh, God, so many things. Uh, Everything from, uh, you know, obviously, my kids, depending on how early it is, a cup of tea. I love being outside. So anytime I can get outside into whether it's sunshine or raining doesn't really matter for me. Being outside in the fresh air is one of the key things and being able to get near the sea 
Oh my goodness me, then I am a very happy person. <laughs> I agree with the sea. I very much miss the ocean. I miss the sea and the ocean. So we're hoping this summer it will be quite nice. It sounds mm. amazing. Look, I'd love to hear about your previous career before not only Pink and Blue. So what brought you here? So my career has been in advertising, brand and marketing. So I've worked client side and also agencies, but mainly agencies, pretty much most of my career for 20 years was in advertising agencies. I worked in Canada. I worked in London at several different agencies, essentially managing big clients, big accounts with kind of multi, multi-level, multi-channel campaigns. So my kind of last agency job, I was managing partner at MNC Saatchi, which is a big advertising agency globally, but I was in the London office managing, yeah, some, some big clients. And then after that, I moved actually to Virgin Group and I was head of brand and customer experience there, which was fascinating, actually, you know, looking after the, the Virgin companies and looking at how do we make this experience something that is Virgin, regardless of the fact that we are, we are so many different companies that are at so many different stages of their life. Some are older companies, some are very new, and also in very different places, you know, everything from banks to fitness to holidays <laughs> to wine and so how does that work and some of them are physical products obviously and some of them have physical locations but others are all digital and so yes so a fascinating uh, job there as well before I then obviously decided to come away and start my own company. So it's very entrepreneurial I suppose because you've got the marketing the advertising background actually my question to you is what makes a toy gender biased? Is it the toy or is it the marketing behind the toy? It's a really good question. And I think certainly, really, toys are toys, right? And that's how they should be. Toys should just be toys. And actually, everyone should have the choice of all the different toys and try out all the different things because we know that the different toys that you play with develop different skill sets. So it's not really the toy, but what has created that divide is certainly marketing, as you say, and then also just some of the ways that we do things. So those colorways, those shortcuts are very good for this. You know, a decision along the way has been made that this is a a girl's toy or a boy's toy. In fact, toys are often made in that way. So they start off with the, is it for a girl? Is it for a boy? Which is kind of one of the issues in itself. And then they are created into and marketed into for boys or girls. And then when we go into, say, a toy store, we can all imagine, you walk in and there are essentially two sides to that store. There is a one side which is boys, sometimes labelled as, and one side which is for girls. And if they're not labelled, even if they're not labelled, they are often done with colourways. And we can tell that because the colours have become the shortcut. So those kind of darker colours will be on the boys' side. You'll see the pink and the pastels on the girls' side. And so everyone knows, right, where they're supposed to go. And kids know that from very early. They start to understand this, absorbing these rules, really, that, you know, we all do it. We absorb the rules around where we are, whether we're driving, whether we've gone to another country. What do we have to do? How do we do it? And actually babies and kids are doing that all the time. And once they understand that they are a boy or a girl, suddenly all those kind of rules that they've seen, especially those colorways, the language they hear, they start to understand it. And so when they walk into a shop, they know where they're supposed to go and therefore they know what is quote unquote for them. And so that divide starts very early. And equally when we're shopping as parents or as adults for any children, 
we are automatically in that divide as well. And even online, you know, we're almost always, there are some that don't, including not only pink and blue, we don't have girl boy sections, but you know, you go online, you're asked to filter girl or boy. And so that choice that you're given is already decided for you, whether that is for a girl or for a boy, regardless of what you were looking for. So it's absolutely in the kind of marketing, but it is also in the developing because that's where the toy starts. That's how the toy manufacturers think often is for boy or for girl. But really, toys are simply toys. And that's how they should be. And all children should be able to play with all of them. (laughs) Absolutely, I agree. But also clothes. I mean, you know, it depends if you want to put boys in a dress and things like that. But the children's, their body shapes are very similar up until... You know, quite a young, quite you know, probably even four or five. Their body shapes are still quite similar. They can wear each other's clothes. There's not really a divide yet. It's just colours, or maybe I don't know if you want to do the divide. It'd be unicorns. But my three-year-old boy does love unicorns. I hate to, I love to say actually, I shouldn't say I hate to say he does love, he does love unicorns. It's something that we and he loves Frozen. They're the two things he does love. You know, and Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell is a favourite in our household. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also he he likes, because he's the youngest, he likes dolls. He likes putting them yeah. into little dolls' houses and things like that, whereas my oldest child always actually gravitated towards cars. So whether that was, if I think about now, whether that was because I was at the time given those toys and then yeah. that's where it went to, but with my second, there's so much, many years apart, he doesn't seem to gravitate as much as well. Yeah. But I, suppose- it's, I mean, it's interesting, especially on dolls, because actually – most children like dolls when they're very young and you know look they're mini versions of themselves right but but equally dolls are very very good for lots of reasons and one of the reasons that doll play is very good is because children use it to develop some of that kind of emotional thinking it's it's creative play it's where they do you know, that kind of make-believe play. And when they do that, they quite often play through some of the situations they've been in. So it's developing that kind of social understanding and working that through. You'll often hear them. They're playing back either things you've said to them or maybe a conversation they had with a friend, you know, even when they're just kind of starting to talk and understand. So it's a very good way of playing. The other good thing about dolls, which lots of other toys do as well, but is that it's very good for dexterity because you actually, you're changing the clothes of them, things like that. So actually those fine motor skills, it's good for that too. So, so they, you know, doll play is very, very good. It is predominantly aimed at girls. So you don't find many dolls in the, in the boys section of toy shops, that's for sure. No, or the, jet, the, the neutral section of the boys shop. It's funny, yeah. just before we spoke this morning, I actually thought I'd Google just to try gender neutral toys and see what the first thing that came up. And actually, do you know, the first thing that came up is a male mermaid with a pink tail. Mm. Or not, that was the first toy that came up in my particular algorithm on my computer. And I thought that was quite interesting because I suppose when I think of gender neutral toys, I think of, you know, like what we do is ed- educational toys, things that don't have yes. a boy or girl. It's like a block or a construction set. I mean, we don't have pink or blue. We have pink and blue together, but we don't have them as separate sets or, you know, the yes. math sets and things like that. They're quite neutral coloring as well. So it's really interesting how many years have you had not only pink and blue? Is it three years? Two years? No, so only launched last year. 
So summer last year, just before summer. So in the first lockdown. Oh, great timing. <laughs> I know, I know. All my launch plans had to go on hold, but yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Has the attitudes changed since you've been starting and planning this? Do you think the attitudes has changed in society towards girls and boys, toys, clothes, books over the last you know, few years? Tough one, because in some ways, yes, I think there's a lot more awareness I think around it there have been some moves obviously by some retailers in fact quite a few years ago there were moves by I think people like John Lewis saying we're removing boys and girls labels from clothes albeit the sections haven't been removed the, the label has but it's very clear still which section is for who so I think in some ways yes certainly around books there's a lot of focus on books which is great because that was a very worrying area and a lot does you know, some good books coming through that have much more, you know, more female leads, more diversity, you know, more representation, in them, which is great. Clothes, I don't know. I feel like it's not really moving. There's talk on it. But if you go into any section, you'll still find that the girls section is predominantly, you know, hearts, unicorns, be happy, sparkly, you know, all the kind of slogans about love and yeah, happiness and smile and all those things. And then in the boys section, you'll see, you know, dinosaurs, superheroes. Yeah, gaming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's been a, some studies done recently which show that girls' clothes predominantly show prey, essentially, or domestic pets. So bunnies and cats and things like that. Whereas boys show predators. So, you know, dinosaurs and tigers and lions. And, and so... So even on that subtle level, you're going, the messages are still there, right? That, yeah, that actually, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's, it is, I think there's awareness. I'm just not sure it's really moving massively. And actually, in some ways, some of it feels a bit like it's going backwards, given the awareness is there now. So, so yeah, I, we're not there yet. Let's put it that way. There's still a journey to go on. There was some really interesting research that I read by NAIC, which is an American research, they do American research, but it's it's by Judith Elaine Black, Blackmore, and she was a professor of psychology and Jeffrey Trarick, I think I'm saying it's Trarick Smith. And what they did, what the research says about gender type toys. So what they do is they took a hundred toys and classified them into six categories, which was interesting. And they had strongly feminine, moderately feminine, neutral. And then they had moderately masculine, strongly masculine. And it went through and they went through all the characteristics and the ways that they said the characteristics were, were they to be minified, exciting, educational, aggressive, or musical. And what they came out with is that the girls' toys were associated with physical attractiveness, nurturing, and domestic skills, which is really interesting. Whereas the boys, as you're saying before, rated as violent, competitive, exciting, and somewhat dangerous. And yeah. so, what their message was, because it's an early years child, it's an early childhood for early childhood teachers. They were saying from the messages, if you want to develop children's physical, cognitive, academic, musical, and artistic skills, toys that are strongly gender typed are not likely to do this. So they're saying exactly what you're saying here is, go for these neutral, gender typed toys. And neutral is the wrong word for it, isn't it? Like, I mean, as yeah. we were saying before, it's a hard one. Do you say non-binary? Do you say gender neutral? Where does it sit? 
Yeah, it's really hard because they should just be called toys, right? <laughs> and that's that's one of the issues. But you're you're completely right. And alongside that study, there are so many studies that have been done, and they're called gender disguise studies. And they take uh, children and babies, certainly babies, that they and they put them into quote unquote boy clothes or girl clothes, right? And, and regardless of whether they are a boy or a girl themselves, and then they ask adults to come in and give them toys. And even adults who say, oh, you know, I don't believe in stereotypes. I would never give a boy or a girl a different toy. That's not who I am. They do. They go in and they choose different toys depending on the sex of that baby or the sex they believe that baby is. And what they found was, obviously, as we would imagine in doing that, you're getting footballs and hammers and things like that for children they think are boys and dolls and hairbrushes and and things like that for, for babies they think are girls. And not only that, what they also found was that they engage with them in a different way. So they're much more physical with the boys. So kind of bit almost like, you know, that kind of rough and tumble type play and much more verbal with the girls. And so so there is a difference in the way that not only the toys that we give them, but the way that we then engage with those toys and the children. And again, we're back to learning skill sets here, aren't we? And, And exactly to your point from the study you're talking about. If we want children to learn all these different skill sets, because we know all these things have an, have an impact on aspirations, on confidence, on mental well-being, actually, if we really want to kind of close some of these gaps in adulthood, we need to give children the opportunity to learn those skills to make a decision about whether it's something they want to go on and do. And if we're not giving them the toys or the opportunity to do that, how do we know? So we're back to that. And then people say, oh, well, girls just don't like playing football. It's like, yeah, but girls aren't given footballs to play with. Actually, the reason boys are better at football is not because physically they're stronger in the early years, just like you said, actually, physically strength and things like that, very similar. All the way up to really about kind of nine, 10, as you start to hit puberty, basically, of course, that starts to make a difference. But actually, there's no reason girls wouldn't be just as good as boys as football in those early years. But the reality is they don't get to play it. And so it becomes a boy thing. And then it takes up the space in the playground, which is football with boys. And then girls can't get through and into that because it's already seen as not for them. So, you know, there's lots at play here when we think, you know, is it just a colour thing? Is it just, oh, well, don't worry about it. If they don't get to play with that toy, it doesn't matter. Actually, it does start to have a, an impact and an effect on those skill sets going forward. You know, Claire, even say I've got a 10-year-old boy and even if a boy, if one of the girls join the rugby team or joins the football team, you hear the comment tomboy. So it's seen as, I suppose, it's gender bias still that they're a tomboy rather than what it should be is that they enjoy sport. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. What's interesting is I'm actually a twin. So I'm a twin with I've got a twin brother and we so obviously have, you know, there's a few of us, but we had obviously I played with a lot of blocks and wooden toys and my brother would play with a lot of dolls and would share. He'd be killing me when he hears this. But he, um, he would literally, it'd be quite interesting, so even at a young age. And I remember when I was the to Love AFL, which is an Australian football league, and that would be the comment that we would get is tomboy. Oh, she's a bit of a tomboy because I mm. love I love being physical so it's really interesting that was more acceptable there but nowadays 
parents still don't, as you say, they still don't put them into football or there's not a place for them in football. And yeah. it comes down to, you know, sport in general. But even in education, my sons, the boys and girls get taken separately for sport and the yeah. boys do rugby and the girls do hockey or the boys yeah. do football and the girls do lacrosse. Yeah. So, you know. And, and that's incredibly common. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I always thought Australia is quite interesting because of your netball, because you have so much mixed netball which I think is great <laughs> because over in the UK netball is essentially seen as for girls um certainly when I was growing up you know just like you said I mean we'd be separated off and girls would go and play netball and boys would go and play rugby but I always thought that that kind of mixed netball was was really good as well I don't know if you had a, it, a no, thought on that. no no absolutely it is good but we used to have as when you get um, I used to play mixed netball actually up until when we play lived in Dubai and we were only allowed to have two boys on the court at the time, at, or two men, boys, mm-hmm. on the court at a time because otherwise, it, you know, as you're older, they are much stronger players or they could be taller or they could be. Yeah. So there is actually rules behind it as well. But, yeah, no, it's really good. It's it was a really nice way for everyone to be able to play together. But there, you have to have some sort of um, to even up the field, <laughs> to even up the court, I should say, that you still had to have some sort of rules in place in order to yeah. make the teams like that. Look, as a parent, what's the most important skills that have you believed for the return of your children this week, last week, I should say? I think the most important thing right now is resilience. I had an amazing chat last year with an education psychologist and she was talking about, and actually it was during lockdown one, and she was talking about how important it is for children right now to feel safe. Because so much is going on and there's been so much obviously in the media that actually in that kind of going back to school, children are great. We know that children are really resilient as long as they they feel safe and they are essentially loved and they know that they can express whatever they need to express. And she was saying one of the biggest things was to make sure that they felt that because as they're going to walk back into a school, they might be scared, they might not be scared. It depends on the child, of course. Some might be really excited, some might not. But actually, as long as they feel that someone's got their back, right, that someone's there, that they can rely on them, that actually that's going to make the biggest amount of difference. Um, And she also said that one of the things that's really important because it's where children actually express a lot of, or work through a lot of their kind of emotion is the art side of things. So actually drawing, painting, you know, doing a bit more kind of with your hands or whether that be music, if they're, you know, if they're really into music or a bit older and can play instruments, she's saying it really important that those parts are there because actually those are some of the things that just help kids work through all of those emotions and some of the worry. And actually they often talk more when they're doing those things as well than they would have if you're just sat down with them having a chat. So I definitely think that, and therefore, obviously, what comes from that is resilience and being able to do that. I think for me, the biggest thing is, I mean, I've got younger children, right? So I'm not so worried about the academic side. Personally, it's much more about the social side. I want them to be back in those friendship groups and learning all the skills you learn in those social settings, you know, which includes the falling out and, 
you know, falling <laughs> over and all of those things and, you know, the bad stuff and the good stuff. Like we all need to learn that, right? Part of it's for resilience, part of it's just for life. I mean, <laughs> that's how, that's what we're going to have to deal with that for the rest of our lives. So for me, it's definitely the social thing. I mean, it's the big thing. I absolutely agree with that. So especially the younger years, there's not necessarily academic loss. It's that social and emotional. Yeah. And, you know, some children are finding it very hard to go back. They have got a very yes. they're scared, as you're saying, they don't feel safe. So they're having the attachment to parents and yeah. finding it quite yeah. difficult to get back. Get back yeah. to school. Now we've had lockdown one, two and three. Let's hope that sticks <laughs> with that, to be honest. But oh, uh, I hope so. Crazy memorable parenting moment in the last 12 months I think it's got to be so I mean it was one of those days I mean we didn't have many here but the day that we had quite a lot of snow and we don't we didn't have any sledges or anything but we we decided right let's get kind of suited and booted up and we went up to just down the road it's kind of like an old Roman fort I guess and so it's got lots of kind of big undulating hills so we went up there and the snow was starting to melt and lots of people had already been up there. But um, we decided actually we may not have sledges, but there is still enough snow. We didn't know if there would be. So literally we're just sliding down on our bums, down the hills, just having an absolute whale of a time. Kids absolutely loved it. You know, literally like snow everywhere. Everyone completely covered in mud and just but it was just so much fun. And it was one of those moments you go, we wouldn't have had that. I mean, there are lots of those types of moments for me. Generally, they're going to be outdoors for me because that's where I like to be. But, you know, jumping in puddles and playing by the river. And it's all those things that they're just, they are lovely memories. Is the, is the rule in your house, there's not, not rule, I should say, is the philosophy in your house that there's not bad weather, there's just bad clothes, the old saying? Yeah, and so that's no totally it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got to get outside whatever the weather is. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I completely agree with that but I think I have struggled actually a little bit with um, the colder weather it seems to have gone for a lot longer this year I don't know whether it was because we're in lockdown but it has a little bit colder for longer I think the snow was kind of like when the sun shines you sort of get this new lease of life don't you yes Yes. like wow I've just come out of hibernation for the last three months totally totally and the just it adds some light doesn't it because when the sun's out and the and the snows there, it's reflecting as well. So suddenly it was so much brighter, which was lovely as well. So, yeah. I found it really peaceful. It's really peaceful when the snow, because we actually got quite a lot of snow. So we had quite a few inches where we are. And it stayed for about four or five days, which was really lovely. To be lovely. Honest. There's many people are going to be interested in, and maybe I haven't even thought about what not only pink and blue represents. So gender neutral, you know, yeah. or toys should just be toys. Clothes should just be clothes up and to you know the body shapes do change so if you've got two tips on if parents want to think about it or even learn more where can they head can they head over do you have information on your website is there somewhere yeah you can send them yeah so uh not only pink and um see we're a marketplace children's clothes books and toys no filters by gender that's for sure but you we've got a blog on there as well so you can have a look at some of the blog pieces Um, and we're also on our socials so on socials we're not only pink blue um, facebook instagram and twitter 
Uh, and certainly Instagram and Facebook, we put out um, lots of kind of hints and tips and thoughts and stats and things like that as well. So obviously, yeah, feel free to head over there and also get in touch. Love to hear from people either through DMs on socials or um, hello at notonlypinkandblue.com. We love to talk about all this stuff. So absolutely get in touch and have a look at the site. Claire, thank you so much. It's such an important topic for parents to understand because as a new parent or, you know, even as a seasoned parent, you sort of get stuck in a rut where you get given all these toys or, you know, you just sort of sometimes you're so tired you don't think about the process behind it or what even you're buying it for if it's just if you've totally given up and just buying it for a tantrum or, or negative behaviour, trying to, you know, get them toilet trained or anything like that. But as the research shows, if you want to develop children's physical, cognitive, academic, musical, artistic toys that are not strongly gender typed are more likely to do this. That's the research. So we do appreciate coming to chat with us today. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you so much. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you. So do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners.